helping pharmacists grow themselves, their business, and driving outcomes. This is Pharmacy Now. Welcome to the Pharmacy Now podcast. I'm your host, Scott Von Dalen. We are on episode number eight. Uh, really excited today about the guest, but before we get there, a lot going on here in the month of October. Uh, first of all, take a step back and thank all of the frontline healthcare workers who continue uh, to do just amazing work around the country and really around the world for that matter uh, in taking care of patients uh, during this global pandemic with COVID-19. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts here at the Pharmacy Now podcast. And also October is American Pharmacist Month. Uh, honoring all those men and women out there serving their communities at the six, more than 60,000 pharmacies across this great country of ours. So thank you uh, as well for all of your service and continuing uh, not just to be on the front lines, but uh, to be in that pharmacy every single day and really being an advocate for your patients. So. Without further ado, uh, we have a very special guest here. I'm so excited. Uh, great friend of the Pharmacy Now podcast and a personal friend of mine over the past eight years uh, with my involvement in independent pharmacy. And uh, excited to welcome Mr. Bruce Neeland, who, believe it or not, folks, has almost 50 years of experience in independent pharmacy. I believe he's worked for uh, almost every single wholesaler uh, in the country. So Marisource, Bergen, McKesson, Cardinal, he's like, he's got the triple crown of pharmacy. Uh, excited to welcome Bruce Nealon. Bruce. Thank you so much for that resounding introduction. Um, it's not 50 years yet, but it's getting close. It's getting close, yes. Uh, that is very, very exciting. So Bruce, if you could just share with the listeners um, just a little bit about your background. I know you've worked at uh, several different uh, organizations throughout the industry, but just give us uh, in a nutshell a kind of a roadmap of where you've been and, and where you're at today. Well, th thank you and uh, thanks to those who are listening. I'm delighted to be here. So I started my career in 1973 as a, a pharmaceutical sales rep for the Pfizer Pharmaceutical Company. Uh, quickly migrated out of uh, drug sales and started working for independent pharmacies with the medicine shop organization. I was able to take a, a, a corporate leap and move over to Health Mart in 1984. Um, worked with Health Mart for a number of years, then went back east to the National Wholesale Druggist Association and uh, ran their retail pharmacy support programs was recruited from there to go to Amerisource, ran the family pharmacy program, which now would be recognized as the good neighbor pharmacy program. Uh, lost my job in 2002 with the merger of Amerisource Bergen. And that's when the fun started. I became an entrepreneur and uh, started doing consulting work and working with a number of companies in the industry, the combined uh, uh, area of interest is they all had something that they thought they could do to help independent pharmacists uh, do more and be better. And that's kind of my tagline is trying to help pharmacies do more and be better. And that brings us up to 2020. 
I love it. Great stuff. So it's it's amazing to uh, always talk to you and hear your stories, and uh, because you've, you've you've seen a lot. Uh, over those years and working for large Fortune 500 companies like those three um, and the way that they run things individually definitely gives you uh, uh, just a, a depth of experience that few others have. So I'm excited to dive into some things here, Bruce. Um, one of the things that you and I have talked about quite frequently, and and I know so many of uh, probably our listeners have also read uh, some of the articles that you have published uh, over the years, and you... Uh, back in 2012, if I remember correctly, uh, or correct me, but uh, you started a road trip where you go out on the road, you visit independent pharmacies and their owners in the communities that they reside, and you come back with this great um, opportunity uh, with the information that you've gathered from these owners and, and getting to even meet their staff and perhaps some of their patients, and then you publish articles talking about the impact that independent pharmacies are having out there. Can you share uh, exactly kind of where that started, uh, where it's at today? L I'd love to just dive in and have a conversation with you about that. Well, uh, thank you, and I'd love to. The only thing I'd want to talk about more would be my grandkids. So um, <laughs> the 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 road trip, road trip stuff I have done has been, um, quite frankly, the, the backbone of my experience over the last 10 or 11 years. Um, did the first one in 2012. It was clearly the most ambitious and, and clearly one of the most unique things that at least in my career I've ever seen anybody do in the, in the pharmacy world. Um, and so when I found myself a, a freelance a consultant contractor, I, I decided it would be fun to do that. So in 2012, my wife and I, I stuck my toe in the Atlantic Ocean in New Jersey and then three weeks later, we stood on the Golden Gate Bridge and um, finished wow. the trip. And during that three-week period of time, we visited 30 pharmacies uh, stretching from uh, the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. The, the pro pro project was written up and reported in America's Pharmacist in three, you know, three episodes. And... Um, it proved to be quite successful. The magazine was extremely pleased with it. They had me do several more since then. I uh, just finished one in the summer of 2019 was my 10th road trip. Uh, altogether, we visited 110 pharmacies uh, all across the country. Um, but then when we finally get, you know, 10, 12 pharmacies that agree to do it, we we take off and we go and sit down and visit with these guys for two or three hours in their store. And, and that's the gem of it is I'm not selling anything. I don't come in with any preconceived notion. I just say, hey, what are you doing that seems to be working? And then that's the gem that I try to re write about and share with others. I love it. And so the question I wanted to ask, Bruce, is, you know, you said you visited more than 110 pharmacies during these trips across the country. I'm sure you have endless stories that you could share with the listeners and uh, meeting these great men and women who are proudly serving their communities uh, throughout America. Um, I know I've met so many uh, independent pharmacy owners personally myself over the years and attending various trade shows throughout the industry. 
But if you could share, I know we talked about it a little bit off the air, but if you could share one of your favorite stories um, through traveling and meeting all of these great uh, individuals uh, with the listeners, uh, just to kind of give a, a little bit of a taste, if you will, of what those articles uh, feel like. Um, I think you have one that we talked about that you could uh, share with us. Yeah, and, and it's I, I dug back in and did a little bit more research since we talked. But the the guy who's fascinating for two or three reasons is Kevin DeMoss, the owner of the Apothecary Pharmacy in Salt Lake City, Utah. Remarkable guy and and a remarkable spot in pharmacy that I think is if you if you tried to figure out what the sweet spot is for for pharmacy, he would be in two or three of them. So. First of all, he owns a an apothecary type pharmacy in a hospital in Salt Lake City. He's in an inner city area of Salt Lake City, but it's part of a university uh, area as well. So he has a real a mix of affluent and poor and quite frankly destitute patients. And and one of his early issues was actually in the in the nineteen late nineteen nineties. Uh, he found himself with a number of AIDS patients, and uh, he decided that they weren't going to be a problem, that they were going to be an opportunity, and worked with them and uh, helped build a, a wonderful uh, 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 coalition of groups that helped fund and, and treat and care for uh, uh, patients and, and has a wonderful background in that. Then you roll forward, you know, to 1999, and I visit with him, and he's on the cutting edge of uh, working with civic leaders to create an, an naloxone clinic. So, you know, he's just a lot of public service, um, delivers, fills retail prescriptions, um, and uh, just dedicates a lot of time to the community. And, and more importantly, and it's kind of the flavor that fills all of these successful guys. He's just a pleasant, uh, optimistic guy. It's just fun to be in a store. I love that. Um, I have not met him personally, um, that Kevin, that is, the owner that you're referring to. But, you know, you and I have met so many of these great individuals that proudly serve their communities and all have their own individual stories. But that's a great one, somebody that's been at it uh, for quite a few decades at this point and has, has really evolved with the industry, right? You're talking about the yeah. early 90s and yeah, and, and, and you growing. know, I, I, I jump in on that as well. He that is, I guess that really is the key point. He has evolved. Um, he's, you know, and, you know, and, I, I hate to put in a, 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 a plug for prescribed wellness with this, but he was one of the first people who adopted the prescribed wellness program. When I visit him with him, he takes me back and he shows how he's monitoring people's compliance and identifying the people who can be easiest moved up and, uh, and working on improving his equip scores and recognizing that he needs to use technology to do that. So he, he really is a cutting edge kind of guy. Awesome. That's, uh, I love it. Um, so want to transition into a, a real sweet spot for you, Bruce, and excited to talk about uh, the next topic, which is that of marketing for independent pharmacies. Yeah. And because marketing is something that is so important, and I'm excited for you to talk to us about it, but just to share my two cents. I know there's 
you know, a million ideas out there from marketing. And I go to the different trade shows, again, throughout the industry, whether it's McKesson or, uh, you know, IdeaShare or, or Amerisource Bergen's Thought Spot or even Cardinal's uh, annual trade shows. Uh, when they're all packed in there in July, I know I've seen you out there in the circuit. Uh, they all have different ideas. There's different vendors in this space. Um, but quite frankly, you know, from the stories that I hear from different independent pharmacy owners, a lot of them just don't know exactly where to turn or what they should be doing on a daily, weekly basis and driving new business on capturing new patients on really getting the most out of their existing patient population. And so I'm really excited to talk to you specifically because of your experience and depth of knowledge on this subject. Um, for our listeners out there, we, we can't do a screen share, but Bruce shared with me, I don't know, about a hundred or so slides that he has prepared on this particular subject when you go around the country and uh, uh, as you have for many years, Bruce, and, and uh, spoke to different groups with your CEs that you've conducted over the years. Um, but marketing for 2020 and beyond for pharmacies. Let's just dive into it, Bruce. Where does that start? Uh, yeah, and it, it's a big topic, but uh, the classic place to start is at the very beginning. And um, the the core thing I would want pharmacists to understand is conventionally we use the word marketing and advertising as if they're synonymous. And, and I think a, a, the pharmacists need to know, no, they are not synonymous. Marketing is the the Roman numeral one on how you be successful uh, advertising is insert insert B on an outline or whatever. So marketing is that ta task that one has to go through where they really determine who they are and what they want to offer. And that may sound complicated, but you know, if you're going to open up a pharmacy, everybody knows you're going to fill prescriptions. But what are the hours you're going to use? Where are you going to locate that pharmacy? Um, you know, are you going to have a dress code or aren't you going to have a dress code? What services are you going to offer? So marketing is that process by which you decide what you're going to do. Then advertising and promotion is how you tell people that you're doing it. And I hope that makes sense. So marketing is... In, in, in a business, if you're going to draw outline, you've got operations, marketing, and finance. And, um, and it's just a big part of who you are, uh, determining who you are. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense to get started. Yes. Um, so that's, I mean, the, the definition I have is marketing is everything that you say or do that will appeal to and serve your customers. So it's a big it's a big deal. So number of uh, different uh, you know jumping points uh, off of that, Bruce, that we could dive into. I don't know if you have one in particular. Uh, I've got a few here in front of me, but one of the ones I'm really interested in, and you tell me if you want to go in a different order, is the social media marketing. You know, and you hear so much about this one as well out there. You know, the Facebooks, Instagrams, Twitters, etc. Um, and I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody that truly has a grasp of how to move forward and move forward effectively when it comes to uh, a social media presence in this particular space with independent pharmacy. Yeah, I didn't, and I'd love to chat about that. So social media, um, first of all, I'm not an expert. I'm a 72-year-old guy. I've, I've got a Facebook page. I use it to keep track of the grandkids and the family. <laughs> Sure. Got a LinkedIn uh, profile, and I use it to interact with the industry. 
I'm not the expert there, but frankly, that is the key point, is Facebook and social media marketing, Instagram, Facebook, you know, uh, that whole cluster of stuff is um, critically important. I, I marvel when I get in the car with my kids and my grandkids, how they're on their phones all the time, how when my wife and I are saying, hey, where should we go to dinner? They've already pulled it up on, you know, on, uh, you know, one of their uh, profile pages and they know and have an answer and a suggestion and reviews. Sure. And, sure. and that's the world that we live in. The average age of the independent pharmacy owner now is somewhere between 50 and 55. And um, wow. they don't inherently know and understand all of the stuff and all of the innuendo. And, and, and I guess the bottom line is social media marketing is indispensable, unavoidable, uh, appropriate and effective, but only if you're using it the right way. And in my experience and certainly what I see with the successful pharmacies that I deal with, they have defined that as an actual position in their company, or they hire somebody to help them do that. The beauty of hiring somebody to help you do that is that person also gets to see what other people are doing uh, and measure stuff because they've got sophisticated tools to do that. So my plea is find somebody to help you. Uh, it will cost a little bit of money. The notion of using Facebook to get noticed is nice, but you need to do more than get noticed. You need to drive traffic and drive sales, and that's harder to do than an amateur can do. Agreed. Yeah, and I know I've talked to uh, numerous, uh, countless independent pharmacy owners who uh, have taken that next step, but... You know, I didn't know the stat, Bruce. 50 to 55, that's right there. That's the average age now of the independent pharmacy owner. Is that right? That's the latest that I read. And, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be a bit closer to 55, as I recall. Yeah. So it's a little bit higher than what I would have guessed had you asked me. Uh, but that's an interesting uh, stat. I, I know in talking to independent pharmacy owners back in the early days when starting, when I say early days, I, I'm, you're at 49 years in this uh, market space. I'm at seven. So <laughs> you've got a little bit on me there. But, uh, you know, there's always hesitation around the adoption of new technology. Uh, you know, you have those early adopters out there who are always ready and willing to basically give anything a try if they think that it can actually have an impact or a positive impact on their business or their patients or outcomes, et cetera. Uh, but there is that huge middle uh, portion of the demographic. So in this case, you know, those pharmacy owners that are average 50 to 55 years of age that are uh, sometimes pretty hesitant to adopt new technology. Um, and so it really is interesting, though, over the last couple of years to really see that evolve. And I think we've kind of crossed the chasm. I know you've been around for 49 years. You probably remember this struggle whenever it took place where you know, 99% of the independent pharmacies didn't have an IVR system. And I think it's well over half now. I don't know what the statistic is, probably 60 or 70% that still, you know, that have an IVR system today. But there's still those stores out there that refuse to get an IVR system. And I'm sure you know a few of them. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of them have now crossed. They, they're communicating with patients regularly. They, they've, they've adopted that technology. And so I think 
you know, what I hear you saying and, and, and others throughout the industry is it's time to adopt a game plan and implement it and put it in place when it comes to marketing, direct marketing or social media, uh, as it would be said, uh, with these stores and connecting with their patients uh, over that particular platform and increasing their overall footprint. Well, you know, what that makes me want to go back to, and I don't know whether it's back one step or two step, but we talked about what marketing is. I, I'd like to spend a minute to talk about why it's important, and you've just inferred yes. that. So, absolutely. You know, I've been around 47 years. Uh, correct you, just a little two years on that. It, ma <laughs> okay, it matters at my, at my age, yeah. It matters, that's right. But I've been around a while, and I've seen a lot of change but I've never seen change like we're experiencing now. So the, the fact of the matter is, is that you're, you're, you're not going to fill your way to success in today's environment. You know, the, the, the old model was fill more and more prescriptions and uh, figure out how to eke another half a percent off of your buy side and, and you would be fine. But now you have to do more than fill prescriptions. And, and that's where marketing comes in. So deciding what it is that you're going to do, what's your passion, what's your competency, what's your, what's your market going to allow you to do that's beyond dispensing. Um, and then realize that when you start to do that, people aren't going to know what that is and they're not going to come in and ask for it. And so if you're going to start doing you know, a, 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 a drug nutrient depletion program, you're going to have that uncomfortable experience where you go out and you try to tell Mrs. Jones you're taking the statin and you ought to take CoQ10 and here's a bottle of CoQ10 that costs $40. And your success in doing that is going to be minimal and quite frankly, you're going to annoy patients. So you've got to figure out how you're going to make that transition. How are you going to position it? How are you going to package it? How are you going to present it? And, and who's going to talk to who about what and when. So that's where this marketing piece becomes essential because you're moving from a dispensing paradigm to a healthcare provider paradigm. And, um, you know, that, that, that's where we are now. That's where you need to go. Um, and, uh, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have some serious thinking about how to do that. And quite frankly, again, I would argue, get some professional help. Pharmacists have historically had accountants to do taxing, tax stuff. They've had uh, lawyers to help them with legal stuff. My position is the time has come. You need a professional marketing person. Again, you can hire it or you can buy it, but you need it. That's a great um, comparison there, right? You, you don't just... Uh hire anybody or, or ask your uh, technician or your brother to do your taxes. Uh, you know, these guys are running uh, big businesses with a lot of money involved uh, with these pharmacies. And so they need a tax guy or they need a lawyer. Um, and there's a reason that a pharmacist has a license, uh, you know, and, and so to your point, when it comes to marketing, uh, you got to look at perhaps going out and, and finding somebody that can help you out and somebody that knows what they're doing that does this professionally. It's not just about throwing up a Facebook page and right. uh, letting it sit there. You got you to gotta take action and uh, put, put a game plan together and, and have somebody execute on it for you. So yeah, I could not agree with you more. Yeah, go, please, Bruce, I'm, I'm going to wax nostalgic with you for a minute. So I, I okay. was back in the day when people were typing labels with a royal typewriter and uh, sticking it on the bottle with uh, scotch tape. And the, <laughs> yes. the epitome of a professional pharmacist back then was a person who could type labels with no crossovers. Um, the first pharmacy computers, 
were basically uh, fancy typing machines so that you didn't have any crossovers on your prescription labels. Um, and, right. you know, look where we've come now where the pharmacy computers are doing, you know, uh, hundreds of tasks. And and the point is, is that, you know, the, the guy who's trying to market his own business with his uh, shoes, you, you know, simple knowledge of what it is, is like the guy trying to type a label on an old Royal manual typewriter. Uh, it's just gotten more sophisticated and um, you, you need help. Um, and enough said. It is hard to believe that it wasn't really that long ago that pharmacists were literally typing up the labels on their vials. So um, yeah. it has come a long way, but again, time does not stop moving and uh, <laughs> we are gonna continue to evolve and change. And um, uh, as, I, as I said on a previous episode, maybe there will be a day uh, where we'll have prescriptions being delivered from uh, independent pharmacies using drones. So we'll just have to wait and see. I, I, I see that happening. Yes. Um, so, I mean, again, platform for, we talked a little bit about social media marketing. I, I, I want to dovetail back again to the stuff that, you know, talk just a little bit about how do you decide what this new service is that you're going to provide. And, and you know, we, we typically talk about medication synchronization. We talk about, uh, you know, diabetes education. Um, the newest one that I've come across that's exciting, just preparing a CE program for a, 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 the, these summers, is actually diabetes prevention programs where the Center for Disease Control has a program where you can certify to and get paid for uh, teaching people who are pre-diabetic, pre not diagnosed yet, how to prevent getting diabetes. Um, uh, you know, we've, the, 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 there's just a lot of ways that we can go at this point. And, and the point I wanna make is there's too many of them for you to do and how do you decide which one or two or three you're going to do would be a, would be a function of analyzing your passion, your talents, your skills, your your demographic area, and quite frankly, your guts. You know, what are you willing to take a chance on doing? And um, and you know, figuring that out is is a real challenge, and I think it requires a a, a pharmacy owner to to sit back in the, in the quiet room with a pad and pencil and, and really muse for a while and try to figure out where to go. And then talk to friends and figure out what they're doing, what's worked for them. So uh, it's an exciting time to be a pharmacist because you're emerging from being a, a, a pharmacist to being a legitimate healthcare provider. And, and I think there's a world of opportunity for the, for the pharmacist who figures out where he can go in that in that new world. Yeah. Um, something else that you mentioned the other day, Bruce, if you could elaborate on for me just a little bit is uh, kind of your uh, ideas around what you referred to as guerrilla marketing. Could you expand on that for us? Yeah. So, it, 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 and again, that is a, a 180 degree change. So sophisticated is, is new, it's coming, uh, but that doesn't mean the old has gone away. And their uh, guerrilla marketing is something that that I, I believe in wholeheartedly. Um, and the name simply implies 
you know, doing something that requires a little bit of time and a little bit of moxie, but not a whole lot of money. And it's the kind of thing that more, more pharmacies can do if they will attune themselves to being a marketer and a healthcare professional rather than a pharmacist. So, uh, you know, the, the simplest guerrilla marketing technique, tactic is uh, to create a, 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 a formal uh, incentivized program to get your current customers to recommend you to their neighbors and friends. And um, I'm amazed at the number of pharmacies who don't have a formal program for doing that. Um, how do you invite a person? What do you give that person? What do you ask that person to give or say to their neighbor, friend, and relative? And what is the reason that a neighbor, friend, or relative would respond to that invitation? Is just a, a, a just one of the simplest ways to grow your pharmacy, and a way way too overlooked by the average pharmacist. So. And you just mentioned that, yeah. So the other thing that I uh, wanted to jump into here, Bruce, and, and again, we can we can dovetail back, as you put it, at any time uh, to cover uh, any other things related to marketing, but I wanted to get your thoughts on just kind of the state of the union, if you will, with independent pharmacy. There's, there's a lot of struggles with um, things like DIR fees uh, and how that affects reimbursements. And as you mentioned a few minutes ago, things are always evolving, they're changing. Um, it's the positive pharmacy owner who uh, is willing to make those changes, is opportunistic, uh, that's gonna make this, you know, make, make it through all of these uh, difficult uh, challenges, unscathed, hopefully. Um, but talk to us a little bit about the challenges today versus, you know, 10 years ago, um, if, you would, if you would be so kind to, to share your thoughts with us. Yeah, the, I mean, clearly the, the low reimbursement um, that quite frankly started to be a, 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 a obnoxious five or six years ago um, is, a, is a troublesome issue. And then it's been exponentially uh, complicated by the DIR fees. So the the fact of the matter is, is you know, gross margins have gone from the the high twenties to the low teens over the last five years, and 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 that's you know that's devastating the industry. It's it's apparent that I had a boss one time that said if you know if nothing if something can't possibly go on this way, it won't. And um, we've reached that point where we can't possibly go on this way. The, the margins have gotten so low that we can't do it. So something has to change. And, and my attitude is there's two things a pharmacist needs to do. They need to continue to be involved in their associations, state and local and other, to fight the PBM abuses. But then they need to change what they do. And that brings us back to you know, these enhanced care services and, and new health care programs that we've talked about. Ten years ago, the, uh, you know, the, the conversation was, was about low reimbursement and continuing to dwindle reimbursement. But the attitude then was, how do I buy better? Um, and you always need to buy better. That's not going to go away. But, you know, you, you could solve that problem by joining the buying group and, you know, uh, doing alternate shopping for generics. And, you know, you could figure out ways to kind of to fight that erosion in, in gross profit margin. I, I, I would say we've gotten to the point now where 
those strategies have to be replaced with something else. And um, it's finding new revenue. It's finding ways to get patients to pay money for what you do. Um, I don't want to go on too long about that, but I want to talk about getting patients to pay you cash for what you do. And um, in my CE programs for years now, I've been talking about um, there are people who pay cash for healthcare services. They pay for massage. They join health gyms. They they uh, uh, they buy Botox uh, injections. So people have money and they will spend money for things that they want. Pharmacists need to figure out how to get into that game. I, yeah, I, you know, well said. Um, things, uh, as you mentioned, things continue to change. But the one thing that caught my ear there, I think is so important um, because I don't know if there's always enough emphasis put on it is talking about making sure that you're a part of that state pharmacy association and other organizations like NCPA. Um, it's so important, uh, especially with some of the other owners I've talked to that are really in the fight. They're up there on the hill. Um, trying to get legislation passed. And obviously, we know that that's a very slow, arduous process yeah, uh, when yeah. we talk politics up in D.C. on the Hill. But, you know, these guys are out there, these men and women, these owners are helping uh, fight the battle against PBMs. Uh, they're, they're in contact with their local congressman uh, and or senator, governor, et cetera, uh, to move this thing up the ladder and get some action taken. But it's so important that uh, pharmacies support that state association because they really are doing a lot for uh, the pharmacies at that level uh, and keeping things organized and, and uh, making some noise. So I think that's so darn important, as you mentioned, um, and, and just wanted to plug that in there. Well, it, it, it's funny you would say that, and if we could take a side trip. So I have just written an editorial that I'll submit um, to uh, one of the pharmacy journals. Um, and and the point of that is that the the time has come, in my opinion, for us to take this battle not only to the to the state and and local governments, but to the consumer. And uh, you know, so often on my social media feeds, I see pharmacists, you know, documenting uh, the fact that they've been ripped off by the PBM, and, or you know, they've been you know reimbursed or or had to lose a patient to some uh, something and and those are battles that we need to fight legislative we need to fight that battle but the problem is we keep talking to ourselves about those problems and we're not talking to consumers not about the fact that we're selling something below cost because i don't know that consumer cares about that but we're not talking to consumers about how their choice as to what medications they can get or what they pay for medicines is being uh, being affected by the PBMs. And, and my point would be is if we can start getting the consumers screaming to their congressmen about this issue, that uh, we'll get action much quicker than if we just keep screaming about our problems to them. We have to turn this into a uh, a consumer issue and get consumers involved. So that would be my political uh, extrapolation for the moment. 
Agree. Um, and I think that might be where the, the tide really starts to turn, uh, perhaps here in the near future, is when the average uh, individual or patients understand uh, really what's going on, perhaps that'll, that'll uh, you know, create some yeah. additional force behind uh, the movement that's already taking place uh, out there in the industry on behalf of these 23,000 or yeah. so independent pharmacies that uh, are fighting this battle. Well, can we talk about a couple other marketing programs that I feel strongly about? Absolutely. Yes. Floor is yours, Bruce, please. Well, so, uh, and I come back under the category of gorilla. What's the simple, what's the too often overlooked and yet be absolutely implementable by virtually any pharmacist. The, the next one that I would put on my list would be to have a formal process and program for romancing a new customer. And um, I'm amazed at the number of pharmacies that I visit who they know how many new prescriptions they fill and they know how many refill prescriptions they fill, but they're not actually counting the number of new patients that they get. And they're not tracking and asking these patients where they came from. But more importantly, they're not putting together a, a program for helping to take these people and let them know how smart they are that they visited their pharmacy. So just a couple the typical things would be is when the when the the clerk, the intake person realizes that somebody's not been there before, uh, they need to be trained to say something pleasant to that person. Um, they need to be trained to go get the owner or the pharmacist in charge and invite that person to come over and say hello to that person. And it doesn't need to be anything fancy, just, oh, I'm so glad to meet you. Thanks for coming in. You need to have a way to have an appropriate conversation, perhaps a little bit later at the delivery of the prescription is, do you, how did you find us? And, and you know, th those kinds of things. You need to have a brochure that you give that person that lets them know who you are and what's unique about your pharmacy. And then you need to follow up with a letter and some kind of a bounce back gift certificate that gets them to come in again to the pharmacy quickly for something other than a prescription because they're not likely to need a prescription in the next five or 10 days. So, you know, just have a way to romance new customers, track and count your new customers and keep track of where they're coming from um, and just figure out from that, what you might do to get more. Um, so that's something that's just too, too often overlooked. How do we romance that new customer? Does that make sense? Bruce, it does make sense. And I'll tell you, you had me at romance. <laughs> so, um, no, I love it. And, and uh, it is so important, uh, you know, to every single business, right? Not just pharmacy, but beyond uh, the, the capturing and retention of any new patient or customer. Uh, and to your point, what are the efforts being put forth uh, to ensure that that's happening? Because somebody told me a stat a few years ago. I don't remember where I heard it or read it. Um, but if you can get a patient, the most important visit for a pharmacy with a new patient is the second visit. Yeah. Because not that the first isn't important, but if you can get that patient to return the second time, the retention long-term goes through the roof. And I don't remember the exact stat. Perhaps you have one, but getting them back in the second time is so important. And, and, and that's a function of how you treat them the first time and what you do to follow up. Um, 
I was, you know, back in my Health Mart days, we started a program that was as simple as an antibiotic phone call follow up. And the general idea was as Mrs. Jones brings her six year old kid in with an ear infection, you, you send the kid home with an, an amoxicillin prescription. Um, and then back then, the technology was a sticky note. You wrote a little sticky note that said on Thursday, call Mrs. Jones and see how Sally is doing. The, the, the ability to create customer loyalty and the ability to give the customer something to say about your pharmacy for word of mouth advertising is all coupled around that notion. So the, you, you pick up the phone, you say, Mrs. Jones, this is Fred over at Fred's Pharmacy. I uh, just wanted to see how Sally was doing. She's been on the antibiotic for three days now. The you know the pain should have gone away. Is that the case? And you know if it is the case, that's wonderful. But now remember, Mrs. Jones, you're going to have to remember to give that kid the antibiotic for the next seven days. Otherwise, likely to come back with a you know with a, a even worse infection. That kind of personal attention is guerrilla marketing. Now. Um, you know, the technology has evolved, as you well know, to uh, do some of these phone calls, um, um, you know, digital, digitally, and, and, and that's fine and that's necessary. Prescription volumes have increased from, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, 100 scripts a day was a successful pharmacy. But, um, you know, the personal touch still needs to be, still needs to be done. You can do it with technology. You can do it with other things, but do it. Um, find ways to reach out to that person. So the new person who's come into your pharmacy, you know, send them a letter, send them a gift certificate, invite them to come back um, to, quicker than the next time they need a prescription. You want them to get. You want to get them back in the store for something, whether it's a free vitamin or a pain, you know, a bottle of aspirin or a box of chocolates, if you happen to have it. So something that'll get them back in the pharmacy. Absolutely. Uh, I love it. I, I wish they would give out a box of chocolates. That would be, uh, that would drive me back in <laughs> for sure. Or some chocolate chip cookies, perhaps. Um, yeah. Was, uh, you know, and that, I know some, I know some pharmacies who do a wonderful job with fudge. So that's a great way to, great way uh, to do that. Yeah. That sounds delicious. You know, I, I, I so, know we got to be running up close to time, but I, I, I want to finish with really uh, an impassioned plea. The fact of the matter is, is there's never been a better time to be in the healthcare business. And if a pharmacy can figure out how to make that transition from being a person who waits in the pharmacy for somebody to walk in and hand them a prescription and then treat that person with dignity and respect and fill the prescription fast, fast and accurate, which has been the success model for years. If they can make the transition to where they can actually become a, a, a partner with that person in improving their health, and then providing that person with choices and opportunities and programs and services that will improve their health, We'll find people, we'll find insurance companies and companies that will pay for that and consumers will pay for that, that there's a, there's a golden opportunity for pharmacies going, going forward. Um, I, I, I believe that to my soul. I, I not only believe it, I see people who are doing it. 
Uh, they're finding ways to do that. Kevin DeMoss in Salt Lake is doing that. Um, you know, uh, pharmacists are doing it. It's no longer theory. It's proven and it can be done, but it requires a, a switch in thinking from being a, a, a pill dispenser to being a healthcare partner. And um, I just can't say that strongly enough. It, it can happen and it needs to happen. Yeah, again, well said, Bruce. It, it really is about a not pill-centric, but a patient-centric uh, practice uh, that needs to be, to be run and making that transition to patient-centric uh, and allowing these great men and women uh, to practice at the top of their license um, because it is not just about dispensing medication uh, any longer, um, nor should it be. And so, uh, you know, these, these amazing pharmacists, uh, that serve their communities are driving outcomes and are the ones making the difference within, uh, the lives of those patients that they proudly serve out there. So well said, Bruce, it has been an absolute journey with you here today, uh, going back and forth and, uh, hearing your great stories and your insight. Uh, as a as a veteran of 47 years in this space, uh, it, it has been an honor to talk to you today here, Bruce. Thank you so very much for being on the show. Thank you. So that is going to end this episode of the Pharmacy Now podcast. So excited to have been joined by Bruce again uh, today. Thank him. Thank the amazing staff here, Gary Finer, uh, for putting this production together. We will see you next time on the Pharmacy Now podcast. Mm-hmm.